message of that song. The second and third line, your great and matchless name all my days, all my days, so let my whole life be a blazing offering. I love that those two lines of that song because blazing, I want to emphasize that word. God's love is unconditional, and it's almighty towards us. When we are God's, as God's disciples and spreading the message of God, we need to make our lives an entire blazing offering. Isn't that awesome? I just wanted to say that because it's so powerful and I love it so much. All right, I'm going to go to the next song. Slow down, slow down the tempo, tempo a little bit.
Now's the time where we are going to take offering. And offering is a time where we um, give money to people who need it more than we do. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray for that, and um, then we'll go ahead and get to the ne next song. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful night, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity that we get and to do, um, Lord, and that is offering. Um, I pray that this money um, helps all the people who need it more than we do, Lord, that they can get whatever they need, food, water, medicine, Lord, that they can go about their daily lives not worrying about, am I going to get sick and how bad is it going to be, Lord, that that money can help them win those times, Lord, and that all, and all importantly, Lord, that it's money points them to you, Lord, like as a symbol of thank you, Lord. You have answered my prayers. In your name I pray, amen.
this wonderful night, Lord, where we can come here and we can worship you, Lord. Um, I am so thankful, Lord, that you are God, Lord, that you are almighty, Lord, that when we hear the, when we mention your name, Lord, that the mountains shake and the demons run and flee because you are almighty, Lord. Nothing can stop you, Lord. We are nothing without you, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks, Connor. All right. Well, hello. Hi. Um, so, parents, shout out to the parents. Everybody give them a round of applause. All right, cool. So, um, thank you guys for coming, especially to the first one of these. That's so awesome. Uh, you guys can head to the back. Um, you can follow Eric. He's right there waving. I can't see him, but he's back there. Um, and get to hang out with Eric for a little bit. How are we doing today? We doing good? Doing all right? All right, so real quick, I want to make an announcement. Um, if you would like, at the end of the night, we're going to uh, split up into some groups uh, here in about 15 minutes. But before we do that, I wanted to make an announcement. So everybody, does anybody know who Kate Shook is? Kate Shook, can you raise your hand, please? So Kate Shook lost the game um, against me last month. And because he lost this game, uh, he... He has to do some, he had to do something that um, pretty much he has to do whatever I tell him at least one time. He can't argue, he can't say no, because um, he wouldn't do what I asked him to initially. So essentially, the game is called What Are the Odds? If you want to hear about it, you can ask Cade, you can ask Titus, you can ask Connor. It's a fun game. I would encourage you to play it. Um, but if you do play it, please be appropriate. Um, so Cade, if you want to see this, after we're done at 8.30, I know parents are going to come get rides and stuff like that, but Cade will be standing here, and Cade has to eat this entire apple as fast as he can and leave nothing but the stem. So if anybody wants to see that, uh, please feel free to, to watch Cade eat an apple as fast as he can and eat the core and all that nasty stuff with it as well. So um, tonight, we are going to be spending some time in Matthew 6 again. We're going to be here for this week and next week, um, and we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer for the next two weeks. Um, so I want to read this real quick. Uh, once again, go to your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start in verse 5. We're going to read what we talked about last week, and we're going to go all the way through verse 14. And it says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we're going to spend tonight in verses 9 and 10, and then next week we will spend uh, our time in verses 11 through 14, and we're going to kind of break down what the Lord's Prayer is. Uh, the first thing I, I really want to be clear um, is that the Lord's Prayer, believe it or not, it's not a script. 
to just be repeated. Does that make sense? The Lord's Prayer is not a script to be repeated. It's actually what I believe to be a model containing all of the things that we get the opportunity to approach God about. So it's not a script to be repeated. And what I mean by that is many times we hear the Lord's Prayer prayed out loud. Often. And what I'm not saying is that it's, that's inappropriate, that you can't do that, that you can't pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. That's not what I'm saying at all. That is, that is definitely more than welcome. However, I believe when we repeat something like the Lord's Prayer out loud over and over and over and over and over again, we don't take the time to actually realize the things that we're saying. We don't take the time to digest the truth that we're proclaiming in those prayers, and we don't take time to dig deep into the layers of Scripture to see um, the wonder that God has for us. And, and, and um, I truly believe there's a lot of treasures for us in the Lord's Prayer. So um, when I was a younger Christian, I got saved four years ago, and when I was a younger Christian, I approached prayer um, in this really uh, interesting way, and I think it's actually very common, but what I did was I asked God for a lot of stuff, right? When I got saved, I was 18 years old, and uh, I ask God all the time, God, send me a cute girl to come hang out with me at my house. God, send me um, a car because I don't have one. Lord, uh, please provide me with good grades. Supernaturally, God, provide me with good grades to where I don't try in school and yet I still receive straight A's. Lord, please give me good grades. I got the cute girl, praise the Lord. Hi, Sarah. Um, but, hey, there's a mic there. But the Lord's Prayer, if you look at it, Jesus doesn't do a ton of asking. He does ask. We can ask God things. God cares about the little things. But I think there's something more important here that we see. You remember last week we talked about our attitude in prayer, right? Before we even begin to pray, there's an attitude that we need to have as we approach the Father in prayer. And I think one of the interesting things is, we, you know, we talked about the attitude in the first part. And what I love about Scripture, especially passages like this, is it kind of builds on itself. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you kind of start here, and you, you, you establish this truth, and then all of a sudden another truth is on top of it. And you see this beautiful building kind of built up and how the Word of God just kind of fits together perfectly. And we see that in the Lord's Prayer, how the Lord's Prayer is woven together in this just beautiful way. And, and at face value, these look like very simple words. They do. Um, you could tweet the Lord's Prayer. It's not long. It's concise. It's not complicated. And yet the ideas and the truths that it capture are, are beautiful and can be expounded on for a long time. So in Matthew 6, 9, it says this. It says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to realize that our view of God starts with where God is. Our view of God starts with where God is. Not only where God is in our own mind, how we think of him, but where God is, is, is located, right? It says, our Father in heaven, and it actually acknowledges that the Father is in heaven. And what that means is that um, the full presence of God dwells on the throne of God in heaven. Heaven is where the fullness of God is made known to bless. That's a very complicated way to say it, but essentially what it is is every good and beautiful thing about God, 
every good quality. There's no wrath of God in heaven. Now, the wrath of God is a good quality in the sense that God is perfect and his wrath is necessary because he's perfect. But God's wrath does not exist in heaven. That aspect of God's character is not there. And the reason why is because the fullness of his presence in heaven is made known to bless. Heaven is the place where God is worshipped perfectly. Heaven is the place where God is acknowledged perfectly. Heaven is the place where God dwells on his throne. Heaven is actually the place where Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now. That's heaven. One of the interesting things about heaven is... um, Commonly in scripture, the word heaven was actually used to refer to the sky. And so many times when we think of heaven, what do we do? We look up, right? But heaven is not a geographical location. And what, what I mean by that is you can't, you can't find it on a map, right? Like we've sent telescopes into space, or not telescopes, we've sent satellites into space, and we've taken pictures of uh, places far, far away in the universe, and we, we have not yet to find the location of heaven. Uh, and one of the most beautiful ways I've actually heard this illustrated, I have experience in. So um, I used to uh, go to this museum when I was little. It was called Discovery Place. And maybe you guys have seen an exhibit like this. But at this museum, we used to go there on field trips when I was younger. I was in after school uh, programs and stuff like that and summer camps. And they would take us there. And there was this exhibit that was shaped like a triangle. And basically what this thing was, there was space in it from here to the ground, where you could kind of crawl up under it and get inside the triangle. But in this was a triangle of mirrors. So you have a mirror here, like a big wall of a mirror, and then a mirror here, and then a mirror here. Have you guys ever seen, like looked into a mirror when there was a mirror behind you, like you were getting your hair cut, and you saw the reflection of your reflection in the mirror, and it looked like the reflections kind of went on into a certain point, and then they stopped, like at a really small black dot. Now, this was very similar in this triangle, except what you're seeing is you're seeing your reflection in the mirror, and then you're seeing, the, you're seeing your reflection behind you kind of from an angle, and then that reflection is giving off two other reflections. So there's like this infinity of like three different images going on for what seems like an eternity. However, there's a point for me where it seems to stop. Like I can't see any more of my reflection. Now, let me ask you something. I can't see my reflection anymore. Why? Why can't I see it? What would you say? It's so small. Now let me ask you something. I can't see with my eyes, but is it still going on? And it goes on forever. It's the same thing when you're sitting in the barbershop and you're getting your haircut, or the salon, and you're getting your haircut, and you see your reflection behind you. It seems to stop. But just because your eyes cannot perceive it doesn't mean that it doesn't continue on forever. And the, the, the reason for that illustration is this. Heaven is not a location. The best way that heaven's actually been described is um, it is an immaterial dimension. And what that basically means is that Scripture talks about the material and the immaterial. We have um, the body and we have the mind. We can't put a location on our thoughts. We, don't really, we know that our thoughts come from our brain, but there's not a body part in our brain called thoughts. Our thoughts are immaterial. They're not made of substance. Or I can't touch them, right? They're ideas, they're thoughts, they're immaterial. Our bodies are material. And so we live in a world that's material and immaterial. And Scripture talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we, as believers, face powers and principalities that are not of this world. They're spiritual forces of darkness at war against Christians. And those are immaterial forces. Does this make sense? And so heaven, though it's not a location, right, as in we can see it, it's still there. 
We just can't perceive it with our eyes. We can't find it on a map because God has hidden it from us. It's almost like he's put a veil over heaven until he chooses to reveal it at the last day. That's what Revelation talks about. Revelation is when heaven comes to earth. It's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of eternity. It's the end of this planet and the creation of a new heaven and a new earth where we will dwell in the presence of God forever. It's not the end of all things. It's actually the beginning of everything beautiful, everything eternal. And so the reason why I wanted to spend all that time talking about heaven is because such an idea like that, such an idea like a, like a physical, you know, we look at all these physical things and then these immaterial things, it kind of is, is like a mind blow, right? Like if we really think about it, it's kind of, it's, it's over our heads, it's a huge concept. And I think part of the reason for that is because, listen, if God was an idea to be understood. He wouldn't be God. Because he wouldn't be great. He wouldn't be almighty. He wouldn't be powerful. We just sung a beautiful song. The mountains shake before you. The demons run and flee. They tremble at your majesty. These, these lyrics provoke in us a sense of awe and wonder of who God is. And if they don't, provoke a sense of awe and wonder. If these, these things don't provoke a sense of awe and wonder of who God is, it's not that there's something wrong with God. It's that there's something wrong with the way we're seeing things. It's that there's a veil over our own eyes, making us incapable to see the things of God. And we need to ask God to take that veil off so that we can see these things, so he can show himself to us truly. And we can be in awe and captivated by who he is. Scripture talks about here, he said, Jesus is our Father. I love that Jesus not only was the only person in the history of time to ever address God as Father up until this point, and then he tells his disciples to do the same thing. Jesus was the only person in all of Scripture, this is the first time God is referred to as a Father by a person saying, My Father. My Father. Jesus calls God his Father. And we talked about a little bit last week how that, that shows an intimate relationship that Jesus has with God. And we also talked about last week that as disciples, what do we do? We try to be exactly like the rabbi in every way possible. To walk like the rabbi, to talk like the rabbi, to think like the rabbi, to live like the rabbi. We talked about how Jesus' disciples not only learned information from Jesus, but they learned how to live, Right? And we talked about that the true learning that we see from Jesus to his disciples is this beautiful, transformative learning that transforms who they are as people and causes them to live in such a way that glorifies God through their love for him and their love for other people. Because being disciples of Jesus is all about our love for God and our love for others. That's, that's where it starts. That's where it stops. And so Jesus here says, our Father in heaven. We see this beautiful picture of an intimate father and a far-off, almighty, powerful God. These are two things that would seem to conflict with one another, right? We have a, we have a near father, somebody who's close, somebody who loves us, something that's personal, and yet we have a far-off, holy, perfect, majestic, mighty, powerful God. And yet here in four words, we see Jesus combine those two things in this beautiful harmony to really get a beautiful picture of who God is. And he follows that up by saying, hallowed be your name. 
Do you know what that means? Does anybody know what hollowed means? Not like a hollow tree trunk. Proclaimed. Proclaimed? I like that. That's actually very close. Basically what Jesus is he's saying, may your name be honored. Right? How many of us in here want to be honored for something? We want to be admired or thought well of. I know I want to, I know I want people to think well of me. I don't want you guys to go home and be like, man, we got a crappy youth pastor. Like, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want you guys to be like, man, John sucks. I don't. I want you to think well of me. But I don't want you to just think well of me. I want to, I want to give you reason to think well of me. I want you to see my life and from my life, not what I say, but what I do. I want your thoughts about me to come from that. Not the things that are set up here. The things that are set up here are important. But the things that we do when we live life together, those are far more important. Because if what I say up here doesn't translate into how I live, then it's empty and meaningless. Jesus is not only declaring God's name to be honored, but he's also asking God to cause his own name to be honored among the world. He's saying, God, I regard your name as holy and I want other people to see you as holy. I want other people to see you as God. I want other people to honor you. I want other people to give thanks to you. I want other people to see who you are. Jesus is expressing the deep desire of his soul. His intimacy with God and his desire for others to have intimacy with God, to see God's name as holy. Jesus is and he follows that up with this beautiful statement, your kingdom come. God's kingdom is his reign on this planet. God's kingdom comes through believers. God reigns through believers. Christ reigns through believers. Through the light breaking into this dark world and taking over. Scripture talks about spiritual warfare. God's kingdom reigning is that beautiful victory that Christ has over the spiritual forces of this world, over sin and death. And Jesus is, these are Jesus' deepest desires, and he's calling his disciples to have these same desires, to be passionate about the same thing, to love the same thing, to see God in this beautiful way, and let that translate to how they live. Jesus knew the Father. And because he knew the Father, these are the things that he wanted. Jesus longs for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's one of my favorite things to pray for. I pray for God's kingdom to come in Eureka as it is in heaven. For God's kingdom to come in my home as it is in heaven. And that sentence, as it is in heaven, is basically saying... God, we want your kingdom to reign here just like you reign there. Where the fullness of God's presence is acknowledged and blessed, where every single being in heaven acknowledges who God is, knows who God is, and worships God, it actually says that there are legions of angels right now in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
Because God's presence up there, there, wherever there is, is made known to bless. God is honored above all else in heaven. Jesus wants that here. Through Jesus coming, we see heaven and earth collide. We see God's kingdom beginning to reign. Jesus brought and ushered in the kingdom of God when he came and lived his life. And through his death and resurrection, we now get to bring his kingdom in. It's our call as believers to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. The last thing he says here is your will be done. Simply put, Jesus wants what God wants. The desires of Jesus, the desires of a believer, should reflect the desires of God. And we see that because look at this prayer. Listen, if you pray this prayer, it's going to get answered. Why? Because this is what God wants. God delights, God enjoys answering the prayers of those who pray the things that he wants to give. God wants his kingdom to reign here. Why do you think he sent his son? Why do you think he sends us? God wants his will to be done. God wants everything that he desires to be accomplished, and everything God wants will happen. It's just whether or not we will join him in that. God's kingdom will reign. It will. It's whether or not we are going to join him in that, whether we're going to take part in that. There is a beautiful and deep awe and wonder in Jesus' prayer here. There is a deep respect and reverence for who God is, and yet there's this beautiful intimacy that we see. This should blow our minds and give us a, a desire for God that is incredible. It should. It doesn't because we are hindered by sin and we need to pray against that. Scripture should cause us to be captivated by who God is. It should. It doesn't all the time. Why? Not because of anything wrong with Scripture, not because of anything wrong with God, but because of us. It's our eyes, it's our ears that need to be adjusted by the Holy Spirit in order for us to truly be at awe of who God is, to be amazed. The only way that happens is through the gospel. The only way that happens is through the gospel. That's it. So we have about 20 minutes. We have about 20 minutes. Okay? My hope is not that you get all of the information from what we just talked about. To be honest, if you walked out of the door and you forgot everything I said, that, you know, I'd be okay with that. I'd still love and care for you. The only hope that I see here is that we need to reflect the awe that Jesus has when he enters into prayer. We need to be amazed by who God is. And we need to ask God to make us amazed. We need to ask him to cause us to be amazed. Once we see God in this way as Father, when we see Him this way, when we, when we welcome, him, welcome Him and His work in such a way that it becomes our heart and soul and everything we live for, we become captivated by who He is. 
But that doesn't happen just because we made a choice. That happens through his work in us. And so if God has to do work with you, see that. Listen, if, if, you, if, you, if you leave here and you're like, man, I'm not in this like crazy sense of awe of who God is. Uh, listen, if you're following Jesus, that kind of goes like this anyway. You're not going to be like captivated by God all the time. Not this side of eternity. But there is this deep sense of amazement that's constant. It's not an emotional high. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a deep regard and sense of who God is. It doesn't just lead to an emotional response, but it leads to perseverance in the faith. When you play sports, you don't feel good all the time, especially when you're tired, but you push on. That's the awe that I'm talking about when it comes to God, that when the chips are up, when it's hard, you press on, you persevere, you pray. So um, my hope is that you'll split up into groups. I would, like, if we can do one or two groups of guys and just one group of girls, because the guys are severely outnumbering the girls tonight, um, that'd be great. You can, we can go on this side of the room or this side of the room. The only thing I want you to do, it's not going to take very long, the only thing I want you to do is read Psalm 103 out loud. Just have one person read it. Leaders, you can read it, but I'd much rather have a student read it. Read Psalm 103 out loud. And I want you guys to talk about the things that you see in Psalm 103 that cause you to say, wow. And I hope that that awe causes us to pray. All right? And then when you're done at 8.30... You can watch Kate eat an apple. So, so let me pray um, for you guys. And then I'm going to give these to Nick. Everybody grab one of these from Nick um, if you're a guy, and then one from Wendy if you are a girl. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about your word. Lord, I pray that as we read Psalm 103 together, that we would be captivated by who you are. Father, we ask you, to use your word to speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.